0: ABC Listen, podcasts, radio, news, music, and more.
1: This is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory.
2: G'day there, my name is Matt Brand. Welcome to the program. Today you'll hear from a farmer in the north who leased his land to a sandalwood company but is now stuck with thousands of trees and owed. A lot of money.
3: Yeah, we were chasing them up for lease payments, so like two months overdue, and then they they kept begging off. The C, CFO kept begging off, saying they were doing this study, and if we could just hang on. And then they then put the company in in administration.
2: Yeah, the fallout from Quintus axing its MIS projects in the north. I'll tell you more about this before one thirty. You'll also today hear from farmers in Queensland preparing for what looks to be a cyclone impacting the Queensland coast on Australia Day. These stories and plenty more coming up on the Country Hour this afternoon. Let's get amongst it. As we go to air, there is a moderate flood warning in place for the Daly River. There's a flood watch in place for the northwestern Western and parts of Central NT. There's a flood warning still in place for the Victoria River. It has eased at Kalkarindji, which is good news. At Timber Creek, though, I am told by locals that the river is rising slightly. We'll be heading to Timber Creek very soon on the Country Hour, but the river there getting very, very large. If you are out and about this afternoon, Let the rest of us know what you're seeing in the Territory. Our text number is 0487-991057. The good news today is that the fresh food has arrived. Yep, top-end supermarkets have looked very bare over the last few days because of the road and rail closures due to that flooding. But trucks carrying fruit, veggies, all types of goods have arrived. The Chief Minister, Eva Lawler, was at the Centurion Truck Depot just a moment ago to celebrate the good news.
1: So we're out here in the East Arm to actually thank the truckies. So we're out at Centurion here to go thank you very much to the the truckies who have absolutely worked really hard over the last few days to make sure that the freight has come through to Darwin. So we know there's been sections of the Stuart Highway that have um, been wet, that have been underwater, that there are sections that have been boggy. But what we've been able to do is in very in a very short time through Dipple contractors, but through the hard work of the truckies to be able to get freight into our shops. So if you go to Coles or Woolies or any of the supermarkets around Darwin, they will now have fresh fruit and vegetables. So it is about saying thank you to the truck drivers because a lot of them um, had come up from Adelaide and or were in Alice and have had to then wait on the side of the road to be able to get through. So there's been uh, a couple of really wet sections and they've had to wait for that but they've been able to get through now, which is great news. So Centurion have got about, I think, about 60 60 trailer loads of freight that have come through in the last 24 hours. So the road, though, will need to be managed. will need to continue to be managed. So what we're doing is we're shutting down the road at about 6 o'clock at night that gives then time for the contractors to go through and grader, to up, um, upgrade any of those sections that they can uh, and then open the roads for, for the morning. So um, there will be some work into the future where we'll need to shut the road at times as well to complete some of those roadworks. But hopefully with the drier weather, we'll see um, those roadworks to be able to be completed. But great news and as I said, thank you very much to all the truckies who have really delivered for the Territory.
2: That is the Chief Minister, Eva Lawler. The trucks have arrived. Your supermarket, your local supermarket should be looking the goods this afternoon. Plenty of fruit and veg there for you. Andrew Aylmore is from Centurion. He says his team have been working some big shifts to get this job done and that some of his truckies were waiting around 40 hours to get
4: through. Oh, we're in flat out, so the trucks have come in. Uh, we've had to get the guys back in to deliver all the goods that come in last night, so we i think they probably got 10 to 12 trailers done last night and then back in this morning to go again
5: how tough was it for those truckies
6: that got stranded
4: uh, i think they were some were about 30 hours 40 hours at the um the roadhouse um by then and then they got full through last night they were pulling the trucks through one by one so they uh, they were all at roadhouses so they had stuff to eat at facilities wow. so they were pretty good so we've we're going just like as normal now the trucks come in we're breaking them down and they're just delivering as per normal day so They're getting back to normal services. Um, So I said at the rail we're just using our trucks. So they're coming in like 10 a day at the moment. So all the trailers are getting delivered as per normal. The
2: trailers are getting delivered as per normal. That is Andrew Aylmore from Centurion. The trucks are arriving in the top end after a few days of bare supermarket shelves. Let's chat now to Shane Tepper, who is from the Department of Infrastructure, Planning and Logistics. Um, Shane, the Stuart Highway... It's been closed, it's been opened, closed, opened again. What's the story out there?
7: uh the good news is that the Stuart highway is um, now open, and we expect it to to remain open for yeah for now um, well we, yeah we don't expect any any further closures for the foreseeable future
2: right, so no closing at, at night time. it's just now open.
7: Ah uh, yes, so we did have to close a section of the highway um overnight between carbon zero highway and Dunmurra to undertake pavement repairs, um, but those works are completed um, and the road was reopened at seven o'clock this morning. Um, so there will be some repairs um, ongoing through through that section, so the section is currently under traffic uh, management and there are detours
2: in place, but the road will remain open. What was the worst of the damage on the Stewart Highway?
7: Uh, look, it probably was to to that section. So there were some pavement failures, and you know we do have some very saturated pavement on on certain areas. Um, so look, with um, the increased trafficking of, of heavy vehicles on those sections now, um, you know, we are expecting that we'll need to undertake some further repairs and maintenance over the coming days and weeks.
2: Okay, so if I own a small vehicle, Shane, you know a little little two door. Ford Festiva sort of thing, and I was looking to drive from Alice Springs to Catherine today. Should I? What's the advice?
7: Uh, look, there there may be water over the road on some sections, but um, the road is trafficable for, for light vehicles
2: and smaller vehicles as well. Mm-hmm. Is it open to the really heavy stuff, the overweight vehicles?
7: Uh, look, currently we do have a restriction on the overmass um, permit vehicles, right. so... All the general freight is unable to get through, but while the pavement is saturated, um, yeah, we just don't want those very heavy vehicles um, trafficking the road when they may cause further damage.
2: Okay, but yes, as we heard, the, the Centurion road trains and the likes, they can still get through and, and get the food to the masses.
7: Yeah, yeah, uh, that's correct. So, look, we do expect the Stuart Highway will remain open.
2: Yeah, and it's important because the rail line is out. Uh, what's that been like at your end in terms of logistics?
7: Uh, look, I, I think we we work very closely with, with the rail authority and I think the transport industry as well. So, um, so in terms of, you know, shifting that traffic onto the roads, so, you know, it will mean that there's... Said to increase heavy vehicle traffic on the Stuart Highway, um, so will result in some, you know, increased repairs and maintenance that will be necessary. But um, yeah, we do whatever we can to to keep um, things moving, people and freight moving.
2: And Shane, what is the latest information on the Victoria Highway?
7: Uh, the Victoria Highway does um, remain closed between Memberloo Access and the WA border, um, it's probably expected to remain closed for the next few days. Uh, look a number of those river and creek crossings are still very high, um, so as those levels um, begin to recede we'll be able to be able to complete some inspection assessments if there is any damage to the road. But, um, yeah, currently we do expect that the road will
2: remain closed for, for a few days at least. Okay. We're about to hear from some people waiting it out in Timber Creek. What's the expectation on which side might open first, the western side to Kununurra or eastern side to Catherine?
7: Uh, look, it's, it's still uncertain at this point in time. It will just depend on, on how quickly those um, river levels recede.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
7: and, uh, and and if there is any further rainfall in, in some of those catchment areas. Are
2: you aware of any damage on that highway?
7: Uh, look, we haven't been able to get to access to do a proper assessment at this point in time. Um, look, I do believe we do have uh, some of our uh, maintenance staff undertaking inspections today uh, mm-hmm. and we'll be engaging contractors to do inspections from the WA end, uh, probably commencing tomorrow.
2: And the Tablelands Highway... Shane Tepper, anything to report from there?
7: Uh, Yes, so the Tablelands Highway, so the the unsealed shoulders are are highly saturated and quite soft. Um, So we do currently have a direction restriction on on that road. So um, today we're allowing southbound traffic um, during daylight hours and then tomorrow that will switch back to, to northbound. So we may we may have to implement those directional closures for for a few days yet until the payment starts to dry up.
2: Okay, and just finally, any last message that you'd like to pass on to motorists?
7: Uh, look, that we are um, you know regularly updating the, the road report website as um, conditions change. So the public should refer to that to to updated road conditions. Um, look, we will have a number of um, road maintenance crews undertaking repairs on on various roads. So. Just we encourage the, the public to, to slow down and particularly through those roadworks and obey any traffic control.
2: Okay. I know it's very busy times for you and the team, so I appreciate you sharing some for the country, our audience. Thanks so much. Yep. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. That is Shane Tepper, who is with the Department of Infrastructure, Planning and Logistics. He is the Project Director of Civil Asset Management, you are tuned into the Country Hour. It is nineteen to one. Our text number is zero four eight seven double nine one zero five seven. Got some correspondence here from Jack in Larakea. He says, "Matt, I have visited both Coles and Woolies in Darwin City just before lunch today, and Jack says the shelves were somewhat bleak, especially the fresh fruit and veg, and also dairy products." Probably they're both restocking this afternoon, but my advice, says Jack, is to hold off until tomorrow to save a wasted trip. Thank you for that, Jack. Zero four eight seven double nine one zero five seven. Jack, I bet there were some bananas there. Did you notice all the beautiful, fresh Northern Territory bananas in the supermarket? We might talk more about this on the Country Hour in the coming days. My name is James Gorry from TrainSafe NT. Just before you
8: drive out bush, just do a quick inspection under your car or under the bonnet. So just keeping vehicles clean so we're not spreading biohazards, soil diseases or weeds. And enjoy listening to the Country Hour.
2: Matt Brown with you this afternoon. A French couple who were backpacking around Australia are now having quite the adventure in Timber Creek. With the Victoria River in flood and the highway cut, Josh and Elisa, who were working at the tourism park there in town, they are now stuck in Timber Creek and they have been relocated to slightly higher ground at the Timber Creek Hotel. They had a chat to Young Kahoot just a short time ago.
9: Everyone was... Yeah, worried about the situation. But at the moment, we are in the um, hotel and we are safe in here. They said that the water will probably not reach us.
8: And so, um, how is is everyone currently feeling about the whole situation?
9: That's difficult to describe. Yeah, because
10: many of them are really stressed and... They are Australians. So I don't know. They maybe they know the river and stuff like this. But there, there was very worried about about the growing of the water. But nothing happened and nothing gonna happen. To be honest, because like the rain stopped and each day, or they, they their provisions was way higher of what the real is. But you can see the Vic River going over everything, but not over Timba Creek. So I think. At the moment, there gonna be nothing, and everybody was worried about a little bit of water, and that's it.
9: A little bit. <laughs>
10: because nothing <laughs> are nice. no, but there is water outside Timber Creek in the nature, but nothing at Timber Creek.
9: And we have a friend who has a drone, and he flew um, on top of the city to film water around us so basically we are safe without water at timber creek but the water is all around us so that's really impressive
8: and and you guys obviously are like the are you all stocked up on food
9: yeah yeah we have to pay basically on the first week all the people had to pay like a really high price but after the bosses uh of the hotel because of the situation, lowered the prices. But yes, we have to pay for for the hotel, and we have to pay for the food. And the food is starting to to decrease a lot. So they are talking about uh, sending us some food by helicopter or something like this.
8: Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have a rough estimate how much food and water uh, you guys have at the hotel?
10: As people, as our friends say, at the hotel. Uh, they are quite good for uh, uh, pasta, things like this, but they didn't have like fresh food, so I think it's going to be okay, to be honest. Uh, they get water, the water is drinkable, and uh, so I think, yeah, it's going to be okay. We we just get a lack a lack of milk, of eggs, of of meat, and that's it. Yeah,
9: and fruit and veg. Yeah, fruit and veg too.
8: So what's your next plan uh, based on what you know so far?
9: Yeah. So
10: leaving soon like so as yeah. soon as we can.
9: <laughs> we will try to to go in the bus when he will
10: yeah.
9: leave the the place, the city. So the bus uh, won't go to Catherine. They he probably is probably going to turn back and go back to Kununara, where the people are going to fly away yeah. from here. Yeah. But we never know because yeah, they there ch- were yes, yeah, it changed every day it's different news and yeah you're going to be evacuated no the road is going to open no the right the water rise so you have to go in a high place that's changing every day so we never know we hope we are going to be able to leave at the end of the week i'm not sure it if if it will happen but joshua is pretty sure so we will see (laughs)
2: That is Alyssa and Josh, some backpackers from France who are stuck in Timber Creek, spending some quality time there at the local hotel. And they told our reporter, Yarn that they've seen a few crocodiles lurking around the hotel. The Vic River is up. There's crocodiles about. A good reminder to be crockwise wise this wet season. Here is a community reminder about crocodiles in Creole. Crocs, all about on the on move, long of them flooded areas. This doesn't mean they could be in any water. No more risk them by your life. You must keep away from the water edge and you must follow up by all them crocodile warning signs. But learn but more at bcrockwise.nt.gov.au. Yes, be crocwise this wet season. I was speaking to a ranger in the VRD this morning and she said she had to quickly duck out because of a problem croc. That was lurking around Timber Creek. So they are up and about, and at this time of the year, they are very, very hungry. It is 12 to 1.
10: With the ABC Listen app, you can take the cricket with you anywhere you go. Oh! Off to the beach. Take the cricket. Road trip. Take the cricket. Museum visit. Shh, take the cricket. Seriously.
5: You want to listen? <laughs>
10: ABC Sports, expert coverage of every test. Big shouty out! One day up. Australia is celebrating! And T20. Over the rope for another six! Live and commercial free. So whatever you're up to this summer, take the cricket with you and listen big on the ABC Listen app.
2: Right across the territory on the ABC, you are tuned into the Country Hour. Last year, you'll remember, cattle prices absolutely tanked. And there were a lot of cattle producers pointing the finger at the Bureau of Meteorology. Was the bomb to blame? Was the El Nino forecast to blame? We'll be talking about this next after some Johnny Cash. Hope you enjoy this one on a Tuesday lunchtime.
11: Those
2: That is the man in black. You are tuned into the Country Hour. Correspondence coming in from some of our friends in Timber Creek this afternoon. Got one message here that says the Victoria River is up slowly here in Timber Creek. Another message from Dom says we are still prepping as best we can in Timber Creek for peak water heights expected tomorrow lunchtime. That is from Dom. We'll get the latest information from the Weather Bureau at five past one this afternoon. And as always, if you have a question that you want to put to the Bureau, send it through on that text line 0487
1: 991057. G'day, my name is Heather Smythe. I'm a sensory scientist and flavour specialist, and my job is to make food more delicious. And you're listening to The Country Hour
2: seven to one. Cattle prices absolutely tanked last year and there were a lot of people pointing the finger at the Weather Bureau's El Nino forecast. This was Gary Edwards from AAM Investments.
12: My personal opinion is that there's been a chronic overreaction to the Bureau announcing El Nino because since they've announced it, it's done nothing but sporadically rain.
2: Yep, and I can tell you there's a long line of cattle producers who have told the Country Hour that they sold livestock at the bottom of the market last year because they expected a dry summer. A dry summer, a dry wet season, but instead it's been wet. There's been plenty of rain and now prices have surged. But Simon Quilty, who is a meat and livestock analyst at Global Agri Trends, he says there's more to this story and it's not the Bureau who should be blamed.
11: No, I don't think it is fair for a myriad of reasons. I think they were doing the best job they could at the time. But in reality, the the reasons being that the months of August, September, October, the average of those last year were the driest on record in 120 years. And the extreme temperatures, particularly in New South Wales, was September was the hottest you know, anomaly uh, months on record over 120 years as well. So farmers just had to stand in the paddock to decide on what they were going to do. They didn't need to listen to the Bureau of Meteorology.
8: Do you think though, Simon, that with the benefit of hindsight, because it was a short, sharp, dry period, that uh, people sold who who didn't need to?
11: Possibly, but keep in mind that the two previous cattle cycles that we had, early decisions were made in both, and both at the time were the right decision. So if we go back to, you know, New South Wales is the vulnerable state, so let's just start with that. But if we go back to the dry of, you know, 2018 and 19, the low in the market was in March that year, and it got drier prices actually rose. So they made the right decision that time. And back in January two thousand and fourteen, the low in the market and it got drier in the back end of two thousand and fourteen. So you've just got to say that, you know, that their previous practices of selling early and de stocking two times out of three had been correct. I think You've got to be also cognate of the fact that the real driver to me wasn't bomb; it was feed costs. Feed costs were extraordinarily high in August, September, October last year, and even earlier. And if you go to feed rations in the feedlot as a guide, they were at five hundred and fifty dollars per metric ton, versus today sitting at closer to four hundred to four fifty. People did not want to have to carry their animals through a dry summer with those extraordinary costs and the low prices. To me, it was feed costs that truly drove people's decision making and the decision that they could not afford to carry those animals through, whether they were sheep or cattle.
8: Why do you think people are, are being, being so
11: critical of the Bureau at the moment? Well, I guess everyone's looking for a scapegoat, but in reality, people made the best decisions and Bomb made the best decisions it could at the time. But let's not forget that back in June, so BOM did not come out till September to say we're in El Nino, but in America, the meteorology, you know, NOAA, they're government forecasting group came out in June and in Europe, they came out in June calling El Nino. So people were hearing elsewhere El Nino was occurring and they were making decisions, not just on BOM, but also what was happening around the world and the fact that others were willing to call El Nino a lot earlier. So to me, BOM was somewhat cautious about how they called it they called it much later than any other forecasting agency around the world.
8: Do you think there's a challenge as well for the Bureau in that it, can't, it obviously can't control how, how others report its and and portray its forecast and then there was there were terms in the media like super El nino that that wasn't used by the bureau but it was picked up and and used by others and popped up in various parts of the media and and do you think that that's problematic and that that could have contributed to that real uh negativity that was felt in the livestock sector last year
11: there's no doubt that all these things culminate to you know people making decisions but let's put it in perspective. There were high feed costs. It was the driest period and hottest period on record. And there was lack of room in feedlots at the time. 1.2 million. And we all just had to recall back in 1819 how difficult it was to get animals for drought mitigation into the feedlot sector. To simply blame bomb, I think, is naive. I think that truly those that were de-stocking did it for a myriad of reasons because of experience in the past and what they were experiencing at the time. It is too simplistic to blame the Bureau of Meteorology. There were many, many other factors.
2: That is Simon Quilty from Trends speaking to Angus Verley. It is too simplistic to blame the Weather Bureau. You can join the conversation as well this afternoon. Our text is 0487 991057. We will be speaking to the Bureau in five minutes' time to get the latest information. There's so much weather going on in the Northern Territory. There is, of course, that tropical low that is set to become a cyclone heading towards the Queensland coast. So lots to talk about in five minutes with the Bureau As always, if you have a question, send it through on that text number and I'll see you back here in five.
8: G'day, my name is Floyd. I work in the Spanish mackerel fishery in in the Gulf of Carpentaria. I love what I do and love my job and you're listening to The Country Hour.
2: Matt Brown with you this afternoon. In a moment you will hear from a farmer in the north who leased his land to an Indian sandalwood company, but is now stuck with thousands of trees and he's owed a lot of money.
3: Yeah, we were chasing them up for lease payments were so two months overdue. And then they, they kept begging off, the CFO kept begging off saying they were doing this study and if we could just hang on. And then they then put the company in, in administration.
2: That is farmer Rob Boshammer. He is not alone. The fallout from Quintus acts in its MIS projects in the north. We'll talk more about this in a moment. You'll also be hearing from a farmer in Queensland preparing for what looks to be a cyclone impacting the Queensland coast around Australia Day. So we've still got plenty to come in this second half of the program. We started today's show talking about the trucks arriving. The Stewart Highway is open Trucks have arrived from down south bringing lots of fresh fruit and veggies and all sorts of goods. And we heard from the Chief Minister...
1: If you go to Coles or Woolies or any of the supermarkets around Darwin, they will now have fresh fruit and vegetables. Yep, the food has arrived is the message,
2: but judging from the Country our audience, the food perhaps hasn't got to all of the supermarkets just yet. Bill in Palmerston this afternoon says, I've just got back from shopping at Coles in Palmerston. No fruit, no veg and no meat. It's the worst I've seen over the years, says Bill. He's informing us that there's plenty of dunny paper though and we are fine with the spuds and the frozen vegetables, says Bill. ...in Parmesan this afternoon on 0487 991057. That is quality correspondence there, Bill. Love it. And someone else telling us about the shelves still looking bare... ...at both major supermarkets in Darwin City. So the food's arrived. It just maybe hasn't quite got onto the shelves just yet. Let's go to the Weather Bureau. Juliet Barson is there this afternoon... Juliet, have we seen much rainfall in the last 24 hours?
5: Good afternoon. The rainfall has eased substantially. So in the 24-hour totals to 9am today, the highest is Gourley over the northwest top end at uh, 53.5, and then the Pines 47, Beeboom crossing 43, uh, Birran-Doodoo at 38, and then there's uh, quite a few other other totals that are less than that across the NT with the Sharon thunderstorms. And since 9am, the highest we've seen so far is 16 at Harley Creek.
2: Right. Uh, Just on Birundudu Station. So it's at the bottom of the VRD. And I've been sent pictures and this story from Grace, who lives out on that station. And whilst the station itself perhaps hasn't had huge rainfall, there's been a lot more rain further upstream. And so they're on the Sturt River there. And uh, these pictures from Grace are incredible. And she wrote that today has been a busy one. We've moved animals and got organised to cut the power and run off smaller generators. It is a sea of water out here, says Grace. I've never experienced anything like this. So that's the correspondence coming out of Birundudu Cattle Station, which is owned by Haysbury. And, um, wow, the pictures... Are incredible. So a lot of water out that way. Um, is there more to come, or is it very much all moved further west?
5: So the uh, the big amounts of rainfall mainly moved further west with the tropical low 03U U that is moved well over to um, north uh, west. Uh, northwest parts of Western Australia now, Um, but there's still the potential for severe thunderstorms over central districts which could produce isolated heavy falls. So we're not totally out of the woods yet, but we are in an easing trend Um, and so it won't be anything like what we have seen, but mm. they're still very sensitive, those those flooded areas. So fingers crossed it all pans out well and we remain mostly on this easing trend. There are some renewed uh, moderate fl- flooding likely at uh, Daly River Police Station. Um, so there's minor flooding continuing, uh, which peaked b- above moderate level last week and uh, now we're expecting that... There to be a renewed second peak. Oh, um, right, Yeah. Up so about the same amount. This
2: is renewed moderate flooding likely at the Daly River Police Station.
5: Yep. Yeah. And then we have um, the flood warning remains current for the Victoria River as well. That um, uh, I guess the good news there is that the flooding has eased at Kalkorinji. Yeah. But um, but further
2: downstream, are... like the good folk at Timber Creek say, the river there is 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 on the up slightly.
5: Yeah, and um, we also have a flood watch for uh, northwestern and parts of the central and T, which is those northwestern rivers, Bonaparte, northern Tanamai and northern Barclay. So we've still got that extensive flooding over a wide area, um, but the good news is aside from those um, more isolated heavy falls that could happen with um, severe thunderfalls thunderstorms that will be possible over the next few days... Um, we don't have that big synoptic low sitting over us anymore. That's That's gone well away.
2: Yeah. I've just looked at the Darwin radar and, wow, look at this storm front that's coming out of the Joseph Bonaparte and looks like it's about to smash into Dundee Beach, Finnis River, Belle Downs Cattle Station. Bit of moisture there this afternoon, Juliet.
5: Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, uh, remaining uh, quite a bit of shower and thunderstorm activity for the top end. Um, it's, it's sort of more more normal wet season type patterns. Um, on Wednesday and Thursday, I could see an increase again on the shower and thunderstorm activity as a mid level trough um, will enhance yep. hence the weather for the northwest top end.
2: That storm front I just mentioned. Do you think it will hit the capital?
5: Oh, good question. It has to hold together. It it looks like it might. It might. So I'd say there's a good chance. (laughs) A good chance. We'll take
2: that. Got a question here from Norman Jingley. He says, could you please ask the Bureau how much rain we've had to date for this wet season for Darwin and what's the average?
5: Okay. For Darwin, uh, Darwin Airport, current wet season to date is sitting at... Uh, 575 millimetres which is 74.5 of the long term average to date and that means that this is the 62nd wettest wet season to date out of 83. Right. So that means dry. Um, So it it was sitting at at, um, below the driest wet season for a bit there but then this monsoon helped kick things up so Darwin Airport is still sitting uh, well below We're below average in Darwin. Yeah. And what about Catherine? You've got
2: the Catherine figures there too.
5: Catherine, um, it's currently sitting much better. So just a bit above average to date uh, with 564 millimetres to date so far. Long-term average is 547.7. And um, that makes it the 12th wettest wet season to date out of 26 recorded seasons. So... Um, just a little bit above average.
2: Beauty. All right, anything else we need to be aware of before you go?
5: Um, There's a severe heat wave uh, still current for the Lasseter and Simpson districts. Um,
2: Yeah, hot. How hot will it get in parts of the centre in the next few days?
5: Uh, As as scorching as it has been. So um, Alice Springs is looking at top of 41 today getting up into 42 on Thursday. Mm. A good news later in the week, the temperatures should come down with a southerly wind surge coming through, but I guess not by much with yeah. the Saturday being 37. Look at that. And then,
2: Fink's expecting a top of 46 degrees on Thursday. Yikes.
5: Yeah, Yolara um, getting up into 43s over the next few days mm-hmm. and Tennant Creek um, much milder there, um, top of 32 today.
2: Yep. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. That is Juliet Barzen there at the Weather Bureau. Thanks to those sending through questions and thanks to our Country our correspondents who are keeping us up to date on supermarket shelves. <laughs> we started the show telling you that the trucks have arrived, the food has arrived, the Chief Minister was saying, go to your supermarket, the food is here. Clearly it hasn't quite arrived. <laughs> uh, got someone here sending me pictures from the Coles at Casuarina Village. No fruit, no vegetables, no meat, says this contact. Except for pumpkins and bananas. Yes, and you know why that is, don't you? That's because those items have come locally. It's actually speaking to the big banana farm this morning about all of this, and hopefully the Country Hour will be paying them a visit in the coming days. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Matt and Woolner. Afternoon, Matt. Just been to Woolies at Woolner. Lots of fruit and veggies is the report there from Matt. So it's here. It's just perhaps slowly getting into some stores. But the trucks have arrived. The food's there. Just might have to wait a little bit before it reaches the supermarket shelf. Really enjoying all your correspondence this afternoon. We appreciate it. Keeping everyone informed. That's the way to go. 0487 is our number. Let's go over to Queensland now. So you've got farmers there along the coast bracing themselves for what is set to be a tropical cyclone. It'll be named Kiralee, I've been told, Cyclone Kiralee. It's still a tropical low, but set to turn into a cyclone pretty darn soon. And the current forecast tracking map has got this system crossing south of Townsville on Australia Day. So that's the current forecast. Things can change. It is a cyclone, remember. But it's a nervous time, as always, for farmers, like Steve Piller, who grows sugar cane in the Burdekin region. He had a chat to Lucy Cooper about the work he's doing to prepare his farm.
12: All right, President, we're... We're sort of we're not being able to move much in the paddocks or or, or around them um, from previous rain we've had uh, across the Christmas break, um, but like most um, areas and most businesses, we're going through the final stages of um making ensuring that all our um uh, infrastructure and and any loose items are put away and, and secured, um and ensuring that um you know uh, uh, where where drainage can get blocked etc. That's that's free and flowing. Um, so you're yeah, just removing any obstacles or potential. This also could affect what goes on uh, during the cyclone as it comes in.
6: It is quite slow moving. So is it in a way a bit handy to, you know, just be really over-prepared no matter where it where it lands?
12: Oh, look, it's just, yeah, you can never be over-prepared, I, I believe. Yeah, everything you do secures you for anything that transpires from heavy rainfall and, and the winds that we're expecting. Um, when it comes to the crop, there's not a lot we can do with that. Um, cane is very resilient, but um, depending on, on how the cyclone comes in, um, having decent rain up front uh, softens the soil and allows the canes to lodge over with uh, minimal damage. Um, if we don't get the rainfall in front of the cyclone and the strong winds, uh, it can do quite extensive damage through the crop by um, snapping it off um, at lower points or midway through. And uh, with some of the varieties we have now, they don't reshoot very well, so you're, you're looking at um, losses throughout the crop and, and quite a bit of damage. That's, that's potential for it anyway.
6: Right, and so for those listening not involved in the industry, at what part of the cane season are you currently at?
12: We're basically in the off-season at the moment, so um, crushing normally comes to an end around November, um, and most of um, most of our fertilising and and, and and crop work has been done, um, and preparing for you know, uh, eventual wet season, um, and for areas like the Burdekin where we get a bit of relief from um, the cost of irrigating. Uh, although sometimes uh, it can come in probably in, in too large amount at times and we end up with logging, which has the potential to, uh, to cause more uh, crop damage through, throughout the wet season.
6: So can you take your mind back? When was the last cyclone that you experienced farming cane in guru Oh,
12: it's been quite a few years since we've had a, a big cyclone come through. Um, I think cyclone joy was the last one. I think that hit Bowen that um, had... Any uh, big effect on us through here? Um, even Jasmine, lately like that up north, um, it's mainly we we got a bit of rain through our district here, but no um, damaging winds, etc. Um, but you're looking at the um, what's where the cyclones are expected to make landfall. Um, we may be in the same predicament as what our um, fellow northern growers are, are facing at the moment, where they're going through um, damage to property, damage to crop. Um, and, and still trying to assess the cleanup, um, And now, you know, with this coming in now, it's, it's just going to amplify the hassles and the problems they're having up north.
6: You're out and about this morning. You've already got it in your mind. So what are those key jobs you're hoping to tick off um, just in case it makes landfall directly over guru?
12: <laughs> oh, it's, it's mainly at the moment is securing everything down. So machinery um, parked away in the shed where we can, um... Um, those items that do stay outside in the weather are uh, ensuring that they are secure. There's no loose items on them that can be picked up and blown around. Um, uh, tidying up um, any loose objects around the shed, uh, around their houses, um, you know, like everyone else in their gardens and that, just putting everything around and just doing double checks and walking around, checking on neighbours, um, seeing if they need a hand to uh, tidy up, clean up or put things away and secure them. So it's just uh, being prepared uh, for the Possible damaging winds and um, yeah, the flooding events that may occur. So um, yeah, we've uh, uh, basically ensured that we've got enough fuel here to run us for a week if we need to go and generate power. And um, yeah, basically wait it out while it comes through.
2: That is Burdick and Kane Farmer Steve Peller speaking there to Lucy Cooper. Tropical cyclone, Kiralee. It's still a tropical low but set to become Kiralee. Will it hit the Queensland coast and steam inland? bringing rain to places like the Barclay in central Australia. We'll just have to wait and see. It is 20 past one. This is the Country Hour. The world's largest producer of Indian sandalwood scrapped its MIS projects in northern Australia just before Christmas, a decision which has affected about 4,000 hectares of trees and has left some farmers in limbo and owed millions of dollars. The region hit hardest by all of this, is the Kimberley's Ord Irrigation Scheme. Our reporter in that region is Alice Marshall.
0: Sitting in the Ord Valley, located in the east Kimberley of WA, hundreds of thousands of sandalwood trees stand in waiting. Their future is in limbo after a December KPMG report found the schemes they were planted for weren't commercially viable. The findings prompted Sandalwood Properties Limited, the body responsible for the MIS plantations managed by Quintest Forestry, to lodge an application to wind up their sandalwood projects planted from 2007 to 2016. It's,
3: it's almost as if this was a planned exercise by them. It may not have been, but it, it's certainly starting to appear that way. A worked the work with Quintus on the last takeover when they washed out shareholders. And now now they're working with them to try to wash out MIS growers.
0: That's Robert Boshammer, one of the landowners who's been left with mature sandalwood trees on his property, for which Quintus Leasing is no longer obliged to pay him lease fees because the company has been placed into administration. The administrators, as he mentioned, are Cordamentha, the same team Quintus used in 2018 to recapitalise as a private company following allegations from short-selling firm Glaucus, that the company was a Ponzi scheme, resulting in the crash of their share price. Now the same administrators are in negotiations with landholders like Robert Boschhammer regarding whose responsibility it is to now deal with the trees. Yeah,
3: you know, we were chasing them up for lease payments were so two months overdue. And then they, they kept begging off, the CFO kept begging off saying they were doing this study and if we could just hang on for another week or another two, and then it was another two weeks till they got this study to decide where they're going. And then before we had a chance to, to do anything and take action, they then put the company in, in administration, which means that we've got no no power as lessors to, to try to take the sandalwood back and manage it, take the land back and decide what we're going to do with it. We just have to sit there in limbo while they, they um, muck around and work out what they're doing.
0: Quintus Leasing is a subsidiary of Quintus, used to lease the land for multiple investment scheme plantations. Robert Boshammer says they owe him $300,000 in outstanding lease payments and costs of upkeep on the land. He says it'll cost him a further $5 million if he was to remove the trees himself. It's a path he doesn't want to go down.
3: I I just hate to see what's out there now, and some of it's really quite good. Some of it's very poor and should be ploughed out, but some of it's really quite good. I'd like to see it being given the the chance it should have to actually succeeding and we have another successful industry in Northern Australia.
0: Administrators Kortamentha wouldn't comment on the process. Managed investment schemes were introduced by the Howard government in 1998. They were aimed at encouraging agricultural diversification following the decline of the local forestry industry. The encouragement came via tax incentives, which allowed investors to deduct their investments from their taxable income. University of Melbourne Professor of Finance Kevin Davis said the special tax concessions for agribusiness MIS investments induced unsophisticated investors to make risky investments.
13: We all know that we focus on the present more than the future um, and the fact that you can make this investment and uh, uh, deduct the, the amount against your current taxable income uh, and therefore reduce your taxes is a, is a plus just in the way people's psychology operates basically, that they discount the future.
0: Quintus raised $248 million in upfront fees between 2002 and 2016 from more than 21,000 investors in its MIS Sandalwood.
13: The whole notion of the way in which these managed investment schemes are operated uh, is not very sensible, that they're operated under what's referred to as the responsible entity model, whereby the mob of people, Quintus in this case, for example, as a company, uh, who market the uh, the managed investment schemes and operate them, uh, as a responsible entity, are also supposed to put the investor's interests ahead of their own. And you've got to ask yourself, does that make any sense? In my view, it doesn't. I mean, because often there will be situations where the interests of the investors in the management investment scheme are not consistent with those of the responsible entity. And in the examples of the forestry schemes, if they outsource the maintenance and operations of the forests to someone else, that someone else is likely to be a subsidiary of the of the responsible entity company and the price at which they outsource those services, you can bet yeah, you know, I would say you could bet your bottom dollar. Mm. There's not going to be the cheapest possible one available.
0: It's important to note Professor Davis then referred to Quintus as the responsible entity for the MIS schemes, which is not true. The responsible entity is Sandalwood Properties Limited, on which Quintus CEO Richard Henfrey sits as one of the three board members.
13: There's an obvious choice of if, if you were trying to cut back the supply going onto the market uh, to keep the price up, uh, which are the ones that you, uh, you pulp? It would certainly be at least worth asking the question why are they pulping the MIS schemes rather than some of their own products.
0: Quintus Chief Executive Richard Henfrey said the structure of the MIS system in which investments occur during tree plantings only exacerbated the oversupply of sandalwood that prompted SPL to wind up the MIS projects. But to Professor Davis's question as to why Quintus wasn't considering removing any of their own trees from the market, Richard Henfrey said it wasn't that simple.
14: Well, and I'd, I'd probably start by saying um, that Quintus Forestry wasn't a party to the decision apply for a winding up of the, of the schemes. Um, that decision was taken by um, Sandalwood Properties, which while it's a subsidiary of Quintus, operates entirely independently uh, and with an independent board. Um, but I do accept that um, the likely outcome of the winding up of the schemes is that a chunk of that um, uh, resource will be taken out of the market. Um, but I think that's a, uh, it's an, unavoidable, an unavoidable consequence.
0: I asked Richard Henfrey whether he thought there was a conflict of interest with him sitting on the board of both Sandalwood Properties Limited and acting as the Quintus CEO. You,
14: you know, that's exactly why the, the um, SPL board is majority independent director um, led. Um, so it's only three directors on the SPL board. Two of them are, are ind- completely independent of Quintus. Uh, and then there's me. Um, but, but, you know, every time that we have met to consider any decision, we have put the interests of the investors absolutely at the forefront of that, of that decision. I think you're right to point out the potential conflicts, but we have been very transparent about this. Um, you know, the potential conflicts of interest are, are you know, the historic, they go back to the setting up of these schemes and the growers knew, knew all about them.
2: That is Richard Henfrey, the Chief Executive of Quintus, speaking to Alice Marshall. In the Northern Territory, and I've mentioned this before, the decision to axe the Sandalwood MIS projects, it only affects 120 hectares in the Territory, and that's Sandalwood's located in the Douglas Daly region. Farmers in the Ord Valley are not so fortunate. If you missed our coverage about this before Christmas, you'll be able to find that story online. (laughs) It is time now to head to the sale yards. Of all the latest prices out of Roma, here's David Friend.
4: With reduced numbers at Roma, agents yard 4,955 head. Cattle were drawn from New South Wales with large consignments from the usual supply districts. All the regular processes, background backgrounders in attendance and operating. At the time of this interim report, lightweight dealing steers under 200 kilos, slightly lure making to 478. Yearling steers, 200 to 280 kilos, also selling to a dearer trend, selling to 496. Growing steers, 500 to 600 kilos, sold to 288. Lightweight bulls under 450 kilos, topping at 450. And the best of the heavyweight bulls to 278. This has been David Friend for the National Livestock Reporting Service.
2: Thank you for that, David, and keep it rural.